Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest. The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace. And I teach my clients how to create their own version of a life where they can tap into their power and restore their happiness. My goal is so that you don't feel alone and that you feel supported. I am here for you. Sending hugs. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. Today, I have such a special guest on the show, and she is so near and dear to my heart. She is a colleague, a friend, uh, Dr. Elaine O'Brien. She is uh, she has a master's in applied positive psychology. She's an expert when it comes to anything positive psychology and body movement, physiology. Uh, just She is all about zesty aging and also the power of play. She is the author of Power of Play as well. Welcome to the show, Dr. Elaine O'Brien. Yay! Oh, Andrea, what a joy to be with you and your guest today. um, I love you and I love your work and I love saving you is killing me. And just working with you on the power play was one of the joys of my life. So what you're doing is so special, meaningful, and just like encouraging for the world. And we need you so much. So thank you, my friend. Oh my gosh. Well, right back at you. Now, 
when you are in the muck of loving someone with an addiction or have lost someone to addiction, there are so many moments of down, like, you know, life is always characterized by ups and downs. And there are so moments, so many moments of feeling down and just despair and concern and worry and rumination and rightfully so. And so I know it's so funny that we're doing an episode on the power of play. It's like, it's like, oh my gosh, when you're going through trauma, when you're going through challenge and you're going through struggle, you're thinking the last thing I can think about right now is play. But I'm so excited because today we are going to talk about how play is actually an amazing way that we can safeguard our mental health and our well-being and provide us with a really empowering way to cope and an outlet for coping and even amongst adversity or a challenge. So I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you, Elaine. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so it's so important and I, not to interrupt, but the fact that you said that, and sometimes we do need to take a little pause, right? But that play, having that play mindset that we've written about and being able to like move toward flourishing that way, when things do happen that like are disappointing or let down or tragic, at least we don't fall quite as far. And then we've got that resource, which is so valuable. And we'll talk a little bit more about that too. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into that, like making a case for play and, and why it is so essential for our well-being. I know, I don't know about you, but I remember like, if I'm going through a challenge or going through a struggling time, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like you, you, you go into those, those emotions of fear, worry, guilt, shame, and you're kind of, it's like a downward spiral. And, you know, that's why I love Barbara Fredrickson's work on this upward spiral, spiral of being brought in and build and, and this upward spiral of positive emotions. So that is one thing is that what we can do to kind of turn that downward spiral around is to tap into the power of play and to tap into moments of fun and just joy and awe and flow and, and that it can help us in so many ways. Really, it does help us to regroup or reframe around, you know, any of these uh, disappointments or tragedies or fears that we have. And one thing I love about play, uh, along with the things that you said about like priming joy and, and being in flow, is that it helps us around three things, which one would be that really help us around our life. One is around determination, right? If we have this idea of that includes mastery, that play, we can get good at it. And even if we're not so hot at it, if we play, we can really help get better at it. It helps us with our relationships. Like often when we're playing, we can meet up with other people. Even walking your dog is a fun thing. You, I've met more people since we had our puppy Lola than I did in 10 years in my community, which is, I don't know what that says, but it's just like a great thing. And then when we're feeling a little lighter, people are also attracted to us. And then there's this competence, this or it's autonomy that we're making these decisions, right? To be able to take charge and maybe take a break from our sorrow and just like get out there, enjoy the sunshine. Or I know you're very famous for making up a lot of fun games, which <laughs> is like gamifying, you know, like even doing your laundry with a smile on your face or whatever. But I think it really does help to shift um, to a more, like you said, positive place. Again, thank you, Barbara Fredrickson for that wonderful research. 
Oh my gosh. So true. You raised so many amazing points there. I love this element of that you bring up about how play can provide us with this sense of control. When you feel like your whole entire life is out of control, like we don't have control over someone else's addiction, right? We didn't cause it, can't control it, can't cure it. And so sometimes our life might feel out of control and the behaviors of others are out of our control. So play is that one thing that provides this sense of control because like you're saying, and I love the way you're saying that, like during times of adversity or struggle, it can make us feel powerless and so, and uncertain. And so this idea of navigating the stress and the anxiety, uh, engaging in play gives us a sense of like, oh my gosh, I like, if you're like, maybe you're trying to mountain bike, maybe you're playing by getting out into nature, or maybe you're, you know, playing a Sudoku, like, you know, a puzzle or something like that, because that play it gives you a sense of like, oh my gosh, like you, you've accomplished something and you are in control of what you're doing. It's like you're learning and you're growing and you're, you know, and you're, you're able to make a choice about play. Like, so it's like, I'm going to, you know what, every morning for me, play is waking up early and going for a nice walk. I love getting out into the fresh sunlight. I love setting my day really early in the morning. I just feel like there's a freshness about the morning and that's how I play in the morning. And that gives me just making that decision to get up and going out gives me a sense I have control over my actions. I have control over getting out in the morning and making those choices. So I'm not only set these goals, I take these actions and I feel less helpless and a little bit more empowered. I love that. Yeah. you. Um, uh, no, I, and I did not to interrupt. I, I love that too. And it like sets the tone for the day, right? Because when you're feeling empowered or maybe you're out in your walk and you're like noticing, you know, the beautiful sky and in your priming feelings of awe or being in flow, right? And that just like, it is so, um, again, as you said, this upward spiral of goodness. So you're setting yourself up and then those around you, those you love, they're like, you definitely can match energies, right? With other people. If you're not feeling so hot, you know, maybe, so it's such a beautiful and generous thing for you to to do those morning walks Andrea oh my gosh I love that you bring up matching emotions because I know when my when I was with my addicted loved one like the it was like a cloud coming into the house oftentimes and just like the ups and downs of his mood and so it's amazing how that yeah you get almost get sucked into that and you're like they they bring you down to that level or they bring you into that frequency and it just doesn't feel good and so yeah so it's taking the initiative and 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 I always say that and you say this as well in the book is this idea of play is like a muscle we can get better at it it's something that we can advocate for it's something that we can tap into it's something that we can make a priority on our list and so by prioritizing play can help us actually find some positive emotions and joy in our life and move us away from maybe that suction of quicksand of, you know, the cloud of addiction um, and help us with promoting like emotional expression as well as releasing tension and releasing stress. And I know when I go for a joyful power walk or when I get out into nature or when I go even with my friends and we have a great laugh or we're having like a game night or something like that, or um, trying a new recipe. Like there's so many ways to play um, that it really does help process those emotions. It helps like move them. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I love that you said about all the different ways to play. And one thing about the book is I, I really adore that 
we've given lots of different ways to play and with these um, spontaneous activities that do prime well-being, that do help us to shift the mood. And again, that play mindset is really powerful because it's kind of a, a resilience tool so that if we're really feeling beat up on, you know, it's something that we can have for ourselves. And again, then we can just kind of reset our emotional well-being and our joy and move it forward. And one thing I think that is really important to note is that as we get older, there tends to be a lessening of the zestiness that we find that so well in children. I mean, there's nothing better, maybe, maybe there are, but like loving to see kids at play or you go to a playground and, and they're running with abandon and just, just screaming, yelling and, and joyful. And not that, you know, we have to do that as adults, but that that zest does tend to tamp down. So when we think about play, we can think about all the different ways to play. And again, we've covered a lot of those in our book. And sometimes you might want to maybe do a beautiful coloring book, but sometimes you might want to go out and go for like a mountain hike, or you want, might want to just like play on a trampoline or do things that you know, um, you might enjoy or things that might scare you or things that you might aspire to. But as you said so well, Andrea, and again, love your book, Saving You Is Killing Me So Much and, and your work and your community is that you? it's a learning opportunity as well. And it's social and social beings are like some of the healthiest in the world and happiest. Oh my gosh, so true. I love that you bring up this idea that even in adversity and challenge that those emotions, those intense emotions that can come up from that, it, they might be difficult to express. They might be, if you're sitting in those emotions too, we're not pretending that the bad things don't happen and that that's not going on. But I think really advocating for also having moments in your life that do bring you those micro moments of joy. And, and I love how you, you put it too, is that engaging in playful activities, that whatever that means for you is, is really a fun, safe, non-judgmental place or an outlet to just like have an outlet, like to remove yourself from, you know, some of the, the, you know, adverse situations that we might be in. And um, I love that you also bring up this amazing idea of connection too. Like you mentioned, like we, we connect with other people and play brings us that opportunity to enhance our social connections, right? So when we play, sometimes a lot of the times we're playing with other people, right? Maybe we're playing by going to a theater production or going to um, a movie together, or maybe we're going out dancing, or maybe, you know, um, a, joining a group, a book club, right? It gives us opportunities to connect socially with other people. So we don't feel as isolated. And it's so important, especially when you love someone with an addiction. And that's why we built that whole community of SYKM of people coming together who have gone through or are going through loving or losing someone to addiction. And so this reduces that feeling of loneliness and isolation. And just like play does, play does that same thing and um, really gives us that sense of belonging and community as well. I, I love what you said um, about the loneliness and that that is epidemic. According to the Surgeon General in the US, Vivek Murthy talks about loneliness in his new book and how it's chronic and across the lifespan. So again, play gives an opportunity for us to, again, as you said so well, build those relationships. And I also love what you said about micro moments. So we can create these moments like in between times. So even with, if you're at a store with your cashier to say hello or notice something um, lovely, notice their necklace or their uh, person's earrings or shirt. And you can just like help 
build somebody else's day or make another person's day a little brighter. And then that, like when you give, it also brings so much back to you, right? So that could that could be a little bit of play, finding um, something that you want to say to somebody that's nice. And, and then the other thing that I, I just took away from what you're saying is, Again, there's active play, right? Those are the things that we're using our body and our brain. And then there's some more passive play where I love the idea about going to a show with your friends, right? That you can just sit back and enjoy. And, you know, the arts and science are so such a rich place to find play experiences as well. And in nature, of course, that's one of the best ways to oh, actually soothe your soul yeah. and heart and mind. So true. I love that you bring up and in the book, you talk a lot about all that as well, like physical play, creative play, social play, even playing with pets, how it's like engaging with your pet. I don't know about you, but that makes me so happy. And that you reminded me, actually, this woman said to me when we were talking about the power of play, she was saying one way that I play is I flirt with random men. So she says she winks at men and she gives them smiles. And she says, it's so funny because like their reactions is just so funny to her. Anyway, so she, that was her thing. Like she just played and then it, it actually, what it did is it made people feel really good. And like, and, and it's, she, she's not married, so she can do it. But at the same token, she, she says, I just stare a little longer at men and see their reaction. And then she's, she plays with flirting and that, you know, so there's so many different ways to play. And I think that. Um, the bottom line is, is kind of figuring out what play means to you. And some people, and I know when you're in the muck of being with an addict or loving someone with an addiction or a lot, losing someone to addiction, it's maybe you got sucked into that and you feel like maybe you've lost yourself. I know I felt like I lost my sparkle. I put um, him above everything else, trying to save, rescue, um, all the things. And so I think that it's so important to rem to tap back into, like if someone's thinking or a listener might be thinking, I don't know how to play anymore. I don't even know know what brings me joy anymore. I don't even know what's fun for me. And so for that person, I think that maybe if we can delve into that, like thinking about some ways, like even to start small and um, little baby steps, and maybe let, let's have a conversation about that. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it can go both ways, but sometimes you could think of an activity you enjoyed as a child and then kind of either revamp it or regroup it or be creative in your thinking. And again, that creativity and those like those micro moments that just keeps lifting you up and it opens and expands your thinking so that you're able to have more resources, right? Social resources, personal resources, like in, environmental resources and learning resources. So it just like really helps you to um, open up the world. I mean, even if you, you know, look at a magazine and just like start to notice more that building that awareness of what are the different things that we could do. And then you can either um, aspire to them and looking forward to play or looking forward to really fun things is so good for you. And again, when you are in the muck of despair of loving somebody with an addiction, it's hard. It is like you said, it's hard to think out, but by loving yourself first and by honoring yourself and building your own self-awareness to be open to the possibilities of what you might be able to do to bring you joy, even in the shortest amount of time, it can lift you up for a long time. Oh my gosh, so true. And I love the way you put that. And also just 
even tapping back into like micro moments of joy, what is, what has brought you joy lately or, or remembering back or even being inspired by other people. I always say, it's like, if you see something like a post on Instagram, like that looks fun. Or I was having a conversation with a gentleman just before you, Elaine, and he was telling me that his passion, he, he actually used to run planetariums, which are those big dome like things that like they project the, the sky, like the stars and they make the daytime nighttime. It's like you're at night looking at the stars and he hosted those. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I kind of like that idea. I'm, I'm gonna, So now I'm going to look up a planetarium in my area. I'm going to go there with Felicia. It's just more like a sp- spontaneous and that might be fun. It's a new event. It's trying something new. It's going to build my confidence. It's going to open Felicia's and my eyes up to new experiences. And that's playing. Even like little spontaneity things or just like getting inspired by other people Watching people even on Instagram, it's like, that looks like fun. Or if you get a little envy or like, ooh, she's mountain biking. It's like, maybe I should tune up my bike and go mountain biking myself. Or, you know, there's there's so many ways to play that are just not this going out and being on a swing, you know, or, you know, or, um, and, and it can be as something as so simple as like, I remember I used to love doing Sudoku. It's like, I'm going to sit down and do Sudoku. Or there's so many apps to help me learn a song for piano. So maybe I'm going to play with learning a new song every month on the piano like so many joyful opportunities and I love in the book all the spontaneous activities of like fun and spontaneous of activities and um, even um, relationships like you know getting out and inviting people to making events out of small things I love that concept of you know you make an event of something I remember my mom, she used to make an event off like my braces. I got my braces off and my mom's like, let my mom could make an event of anything. And uh, so she got all the candies that I couldn't eat when I had my braces on. And so she made a party, an event, and it was so fun. We had so much fun. So yeah, so just kind of, I love it. It's almost like a play mindset. It's opening your mind up to this has the potential to safeguard my mental health, to help improve my mood, to help with creativity and just help me even in problem solving. I know that play in science and positive psychology, there's been science that's shown that play has the power to open our minds up to a place that we feel more broad and we can see more possibilities. We can become more creative in terms of even solution finding, right? Or resilience. Absolutely. And, you know, I love what you're saying about the planetarium and actually everything you just said. And you were just like so lit up when you were talking and, and just like, I could see your energy, like even more, <laughs> which is, you have amazing energy, Andrea. But <laughs> When you're talking about um, with you and Felicia, like that bond together, like with you and your child, right? How powerful and you're being a positive role model and then they're being a positive role model. Like they, oh, what did you do? I went with my mom to, and then they're, you know, so it's great. I, I have a friend, Zach, who's part of the uh, San Diego Consciousness Hacking. And like you said, I always love to look at his Instagram because he's always, today he was singing to his daughter or they're dancing together. And it's just like, there, there's definitely places where we can mine that those ideas for play. 
Oh, I love that. Mine ideas. It's like we're mining for it, looking for opportunities for play in. And just like simple little things, like become more playful, be silly and unapologetically. And just, yeah. And I think that that's important because we can lose that in the seriousness of life, in our to-do list, in our responsibilities. And we're not saying don't be responsible and like throw all that by the wayside. It's But it's also making sure that we um, advocate for play in our life and find ways to implement it so that, yes, and let's, let's can make that connection about how play can help us be more resilient. Yeah. I think that it gives us again, that sense of determination, which is a really strong place to be where you have, again, those three elements of connectedness, mastery, and autonomy, like that you're making these decisions for yourself. And when you love somebody with an addiction, it's like you kind of lose a bit of yourself. So to be able to reclaim that and to be able to even apply that through something as simple as playfulness or, you know, joining uh, a team or or being a part. Like I, I even find like in the local newspapers, there's like often opportunities, like you said, on Instagram where you can see something really local or go to a parade or, you know, just like um, what, what events are happening like in a town, your town or a town near you that you could be part of a community. And that's life-giving. That's That being a part of something bigger than yourself is really powerful, as is the power of flow, right? That Those moments where we're so invested in an activity or pursuit, where we just kind of lose track of time, where time goes so fast, and then we, we just feel so, like, relieved and just um, inspired or just, ah, oh, you know, it feels great when you're in flow. Now, is it true too that it's a it's a it's a distraction? It's like it takes you away from you know things that maybe are bringing you down, and it's not. And of course, the feedback and some of the criticism of the world of positive psychology is that you pretend that it's sunshine and butterflies and you ignore negative emotions. But that's really not the study. It's the study of human flourishing, and it's looking at all the gamuts of emotion as communication tools, as well as. Um, ways that we can move north of neutral. And if we can study what's not well in people, we can also study what is well and, and what behaviors and intentional behaviors can really help us to flourish. And play is one of those pieces, those elements. So it's not that it's it's almost like it can help us for a moment, step away from that. Maybe for a moment, it's like, not that it's, um, we're pretending, maybe you can explain it so much better than I am, but it's a distraction. Like it moves us away and puts us into another state um, that feels so good. I think you said it perfectly. I mean, it does play primes well-being. And again, um, as you know, I've gone through like a lot of heartache um, over the past couple of months with some really bad losses. And I really feel so, happy and not not again to give a plug for the book but that we have the book because even though I was in a pit of despair because I had the play mindset going I didn't sink as low and now I'm starting to work my way back but again that it helped me to be more resilient to be able to focus on okay I'm feeling bad I'm going to do some really you know lower level activities like a word puzzle or something or walk in nature or maybe I need time by myself but then you know I'm starting to break out a little bit more you know like walking in the dog is great and then seeing the neighbors or you know playing pickleball or doing something that's really fun. more fun it really does like help you to be able to cope with you know some of the things, like you said, with positive psychology, it, it, I think people don't, um, the emphasis 
on psychology originally was on stress and on fear and on, you know, different things that were like terrible. So it's, it's just a more balanced approach, but that doesn't mean that people aren't suffering and we want to honor that. And I know again, with the work that you're doing, like that is so paramount to just help lift people up and to help them like recover from loving somebody with an addiction is just one of the most beautiful things that you could do. And then with you priming this or you um, connecting this to the power play, it just makes so much sense because it's like a vehicle, right? It gives people agency that they have something that they can have. Maybe you have more hope. Maybe you have more understanding. Maybe you do want to build connections with other people or learn a new skill or just like have a laugh. And like that just resets the whole mood of your life and your day. Oh, so you said that so well. It's so true. And so a good way, I guess, let, let's think about, so someone's like, okay, I'm on board, Elaine. I know that play is going to help me. I know I need more play in my life. I need more joy. Um, what does that, how does, how do we get started? So like, I know a lot of things. Um, and so some of the things that we talked about within the book too, is that I, first of all, identifying the types of play that resonate with you and don't be surprised. Like there are, like, you can garden, you can put music on and dance to that music. You can have even like a rage rave where you're like punching the pillow and getting frustration out. And then, you know, um, I even have some people, they do laughing yoga and things like that. Like there's like, there's all kinds of ways to play. So it's almost like brainstorming for you some possibilities for play and then having that open play mindset is the first step, right? Don't you think? And then, um, and maybe I know that we talk about in the book too, making play a habit. So building play into your everyday. Um, and so that, that just takes a little practice, right? It's like thinking about well, what maybe every day I'm going to you know, dance for, for one song, or maybe I'm going to wake up and close my eyes and randomly like run my hands along my clothes and pick a random shirt. <laughs> so I'm wearing it. And I do do this wearing a different, like, and then out of the two, you pick which one like resonates with you the most so that you wear all your clothes and you're randomly playing with your clothes. Um, so just thinking about thinking outside of the box and kind of think of how you can add that joy into your life and almost making a list and making it a priority, making it a habit of where can I put it in my day? Play could even just be going to a yoga class, right? That's fun. And you meet up with other like people and you um, maybe you put that into your schedule. And so any, any other suggestions, Elaine? Yeah, I know that we have the free fun tracker that we offer on the website. And um, I, I love that because it gives a sampler of the spontaneous activities. Spontaneous is fun and spontaneous activities. I think we have over hundreds in the book. And this is like a free way to get um, the power play, optimize your joy potential um, fun tracker. Maybe um, we could put a link or something to that. And what you do is you can see um, by chapters of the spontaneous activities, all these different um, activities that we came up with. And um, then you can track your feelings, maybe how often you did it. And there's quite a, a wide variety. And again, it's under topics of like the joy of lightening up. Like what can you do? Like what to keep? Like how sometimes we might like be a little dragged down by clutter. So if you're giving something away or, you know, have a celebration and just about how you said gardening could be like a fun thing and 
and just like um, we talk about planning smiles, like a smile game, if you smile at somebody. And again, we want to be aware culturally, you know, some people don't smile as much. So we never want to judge. You always want to be open and, and just, I think, loving in our approach to ourselves and how we serve other people and how we appear in the world. But um, yeah, I think the fun tracker is a great way to, to just get some really good ideas. Yeah. About and then also even using Google as your best friend, right? I remember <laughs> Googling like, what what fun thing could I do today? And like, like you know, it's funny what comes up. And um, yeah, even like there's so many ideas for play and for and just finding out what that means for you. And then making it a daily habit, prioritizing play in some way. And that really can pull you out of the stress um, out of moments that just feel like a downward spiral. And it's amazing how it can shift your energy. I know for me, sometimes if I just go out, I do a power walk around my my circle and I come back, I'm all fresh and energized for a meeting. Um, that's how I play. I play with laundry, believe it or not. I do not love doing laundry. And it's funny because you used it as a beginning. You mentioned it in the beginning about playing with laundry. I'm like, no, never play with laundry. It's not fun. <laughs> But actually what I do now is I put in a podcast into my ear and I just listen to a joyful podcast. So I kind of habit stack. I put something that's joyful, like listening to a podcast and I fold and I put all my laundry away. The other thing I do now is I also might call my sister because she can talk forever. So I'm talking <laughs> to a friend, I'm playing with her and that's a form of play. Like Play means so many things. It's just, a, it's whatever brings you joy, basically, right? And it's um, awakening that joy potential. And it's looking at your life in a way that how can you awaken that joy potential again? Because it's so easy to lose that. And so it's just advocating for that joy again. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that uh, I was talking to somebody, um, as I mentioned earlier, about they were going to bring a play workshop to their corporation. And and the company um, loved the idea, but then some of the executives were, well, place frivolous. We don't, they're not going to take it seriously. But that's what people need to have an approach that is a little bit lighter hearted because, I mean, we've been through a lot, like, like as a world, you know, and just to be able to have moments of lightness, it helps build our productivity, helps okay. build our connections, it helps build our well-being and even our health, right? The research shows that, you know, again, depends on the type of play, but engaging in play is incredibly valuable and it should not be dismissed. It should be like one of the first things that we go to. And um, again, okay. I think that you're, um, you have so many great ideas in the book, um, one thing that just stood out to me right now is like, I'm feeling grateful for you and our association. And again, the work that you're doing in the world across, you know, publishing and serving people who love somebody with an addiction is really powerful. But um, I think you came up with the idea of gratitude ping pong, right? To be grateful every day for have that appreciation every day. Cause we can take things for granted, especially when we're feeling pretty bad, right? So just to look at, and then maybe I could say, well, I am so grateful I got to work with you on our book and to see your beautiful face and, and, and have your encouragement every day. And then if you wanted to say, you know, you could go that, back. Then I ping pong back to you and like I'm so grateful for you showing up and coming on to the show here and spreading your knowledge because oh my gosh you are a wealth of knowledge and it's just amazing all the the ideas and the information that flows out and you educate so many people and you you're an example of you know zest and I just I'm so grateful for you and 
Yeah. Gratitude is gratitude. Ping pongs is a fun form of play and you can play it with your children. And I know for my daughter, when she can't fall asleep, I'm like, okay, do the gratitude ABCs. And she's like, okay, mom. And then, and then sure enough. So the gratitude ABCs is basically doing the alphabet and what you're grateful for and why. So then you start with a, and I said, make sure a is always Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. And so, yeah, so they get through the alphabet and it's amazing how she ends up falling asleep before um, she gets to Z or Z. (laughs) That's brilliant. And again, like what a beautiful connection and what a great way to go to sleep, to think about something that primes gratitude. And just like, that is so good for you every way. And, and, oh, I love that one. I don't, I didn't know the gratitude ABC one. (laughs) It's a good one. It's a really good one. Okay. So we really, really, really would love the listeners to take in this concept of the power of play. And even in the most challenging of situations and how it's really a form of, you know, even we can, it's a form of post-traumatic growth really, where we can grow from our adversity and it's maybe going to propel us to go out into the world and seek more connections, seek out fun, seek out groups, seek out, you know, anything that's going to bring you joy and you, and nobody's immune to this. Like we have joy potential built into us. That is why we are here. And so although we can get pulled into the muck, um, I really do hope that the listener can, you know, find those moments of joy and really start creating a mindset of, okay, I am going to put myself first and I'm going to move myself up on the priority list here. And I'm going to find moments where I can enjoy my day, where I can play and have fun and, and not have any guilt around it. Okay. Before we go, I think we should have moments of, you know, guilt and putting yourself first and the power of play and prioritizing play. Yeah. I mean, one thing you said about um, post-traumatic growth. So after trauma, um, we've heard people more often talk about post-traumatic stress, right? Distress is something that is kind of pervasive in our culture. Like we're so hard driving. And again, the play, it seems like a great antidote, a great way to infuse like more of a reasonable, so it's not so stressful. So the idea of post- um, post-traumatic growth, right? PTG is so, it's so empowering. It's so hopeful again, and it's so possible. So the research is really, it's pretty new about this, but that through, through adversity, we can come out like even better. And there's new research in Europe um, with um, Dr. Mankelstorff around post-ecstatic growth. So when you're in maybe trauma that you can really, overcome to get to post-traumatic growth, but even to get to a more ecstatic place in the world. And I think that play, all the different types of play, and again, matching your diverse play needs at different situations to what the outcome is, like matching the energy to your desired outcome is really, really powerful. And again, if you want to get some ideas about play, if you even get that joy tracker for free, it's going to really give you a lot of fun ideas and how to do them too, um, across domains, something for everyone really. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Elaine. It's been such a pleasure and a joy having you here. And of course you can grab your copy of the power of play, optimize your joy potential, 
It is such a great book. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love the spontaneous activities and just the wealth of cutting edge research and knowledge that has been put into this book. And um, also even talking about little possible barriers to play and what might stand in your way and how to overcome them and and then how to adopt that play mindset and, and really advocating for your joy. And I thought this is such a great topic for this community because I know I was not playing very much and I was like, really languishing when I was um, with my addicted loved one. So, um, you know, finding those tiny, tiny micro moments. And for me, it was like, even if I was like, just joyful for like the meditation that I had, you know, in my yoga class, sometimes even my whole yoga class, my mind would be taken off into another tangent thinking about my addicted loved one. But then I would maybe have some moments of, of joy and feel good in that or interactions. And so I cannot thank you enough. If there was one final thought, what would that be, Elaine? I, I think to just give yourself a hug be kind to yourself, be loving to yourself. And that way you can radiate more joy out in the world and just be, it's, it's really important just to take a moment to kind of center, pay attention. And again, try and think of something that you might look forward to doing and then have fun doing it. Ah, oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Elaine, for being oh, on the thank show. you. Wishing you every blessing into your, your, those here too. I know it's so Love funny. I always want to say viewers, but like they're not viewing, but listeners. <laughs> thank you, listeners. And thank you, Andrea. You're so, so lovely and great. Really love you and your work. Thank you so much, Elaine. Yay. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.